Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 14 of Whopper Radio. This is a podcast centered around Star Wars card games with a heavy focus on Unlimited by FFG. It's good to have you guys here. Welcome back. Doa, nice to see you, buddy. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm happy to once again uh, dive into the, the headlines, the strategies, the discussion points that you all out there want to hear uh, about the world of Star Wars card games. It's good to be here. How about you, Charmer? I, just, I, 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 I didn't just, know I needed to set you up. I thought you were ready to just jump in. I I was expecting Flake. He he was given oh. that look like he had something funny to say, but it turned out he was just admiring my Smucker's face. So I guess I, I will take command of the situation and let everybody know that today on the episode, we're going to be talking about the command aspect because, of course, it was just recently covered by Fantasy Flight Games. But before we jump into the main topic, of course... We have to take a trip to the cave, so let's talk about the Wampa Cave Pole of the Week. Yes, yes, I like. I, it's not. It, it's not that I didn't want to lead you in, Charmer. I just figured it through the natural progression. But I know I like. I, you're very good at just stewing in these pauses and making me feel so uncomfortable. Not because of the silence, but because of your stare, your 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 Smucker's grin right there. There it is. That's precisely it. And um, now, mostly, you know what? I think uh, the good thing about Doa being here, not because of obviously his charm, his personality, his expertise, is because I now have oh, a you. buffer to pass things through to get to Charmer. An extra layer between us, which I think is sometimes <laughs> necessary. But yes. Hey, yes. Never be, you can never be too safe, you know? The cave pole of the week will have to wait for a minute or two because the cave pole that was supposed to be the Ahsoka-related question, are we all caught Whoa. up on Ahsoka? Yeah, I am. Charmer? Are you charmer? Pause. So I'm I'm actually ashamed to say I have not watched the most recent episode. Ah, oh, okay. All right. well, it got a lot better. It got a lot better. I I had everything ready to go, and then we had a uh, conflict schedule. Uh, me and my wife, and I'm trying to not watch without her. So I am through episode three. All right. Well, we won't talk about it then. Yeah, we're not going to talk about it because uh, I guess I think we have to talk about episode four, and we're not going to do that. So we'll we'll save Damn. the the spoilers for next week. But it was it is a valiant move for you to to wait for uh, for your your wife. And I know no, it's actually it's funny that you guys mention it because last night there was a point where I was like, you know, maybe I should just watch it in case we want to talk about it and then i just no, won't tell no. her <laughs> no do that. not not safe no <laughs> danger danger abort bad, oh. bad idea <laughs> that's a smart move when i was uh my ex-girlfriend when, when uh when we were dating just haphazardly asked i'm like what's the most awful feeling of betrayal that that you would ever you would ever you know and she said if you watch any episode of any show that we are watching together that would be the ultimate ultimate thing of betrayal and i said it really i'm like what about if like breaking stuff like infidelity all this other stuff she's like that is probably less than if you were to say wow. yeah i was like no problem i never in my life have i ever ventured to watch an episode of anything without my significant other's uh approval yeah. so again this is that's purely a safe move so i don't think there's any we'll skip over it we'll we'll, we'll talk about ahsoka next week is that fair 
Yeah, yeah I will be caught up 100% for sure next week. Beauty. In which case, the Wampa Cave Poll of the week, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to go check it out, is always up on Sundays at Wampa Radio on Twitter. But the Cave Poll this week, which got a lot of got a lot of friction, my friends, and the Cave oh. Poll was, what iconic weaponry from Star Wars do you want to see in Unlimited FFG's Spark of Rebellion, which is the name of the new set? Now, the options in order of uh, of appearance is proton torpedo vibro axe the dl44 heavy blaster which is what han solo uses and the mandalorian flamethrower which has become a lot more popular in a lot of the the newer things now mm -hmm. a lot of that friction that i'm talking about is because a lot of people were like what know this know this know this and again we're limited to the four options and what i, I should like have done so many on twitter yeah. well Exactly. And I said, I'm like, look, if I wanted to please everyone, I, I would put like 27 options up there and we'd have the winner would be the one with like three votes. So it doesn't we can't do that. But I do regret not putting the thermal detonator on here. And I. And oh, I, OK. Yeah. So I mean, I I'll take a, I'll take a bullet for that one because I, I thought this one up and I thought of, of a lot of the options. So so I did. Uh, I did not even think about the thermal detonator. I was thinking of more like active weapons, you know, that you hold and use, not necessarily that you threaten, you know, uh, throne rooms of vile gangsters with necessarily. I think that that's, that's fair. However, when you talk yeah. about hold and use, proton torpedoes up there, and all I can think about is you just holding <laughs> one just... <laughs> yeah, over your head and just Good overhead point. tossing it like a... <laughs> You're not gonna miss the 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 little uh, the ventilation shaft in the Death Star if you're just like standing over it, just uh, dunking. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say like that would have been so much cooler at the end of New Hope actually if Luke would have just like popped the cockpit and then just like <laughs> taken a proton torpedo and just like slam dunked it it's, into the uh, but into it's, the shaft. Yeah, but it's Magic Johnson who's in a Y wing behind you, just behind the back, <laughs> passing it for the alley oop dunk. That's right. Yeah, and Larry I, Bird is like, let's blow this thing, go home. <laughs> Yep. Personally, I think instead what it should have been is Luke riding the torpedo, like Doctor Strange love yeah. style. There you go. How I learned to how I learned to give up and love the proton torpedo. Oh, yeah. you know a lot of people get that wrong. They they say photon torpedo. No, that's Star Trek, my friends. It is proton yeah. torpedo in Star Wars. Get it right. Yeah, bunch of donkeys. Dunk on the Death Star with it, dude. That's what I want to see. Not? I think, and you know what? Because I've been watching a lot of the HBO series Winning Time, which is the the rise of the Lakers dynasty, which is an excellent series, by the way. Whether mm. you are or are not a basketball fan, of which I am, and I'm also a Lakers fan, so this is awesome for me. But just watching it, all I can think of now is Magic Johnson behind the back passing it to Larry Bird, Larry Bird with the easy layup into the ventilation shaft, looking at Vader and and just the worst trash talk you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> something like, yeah, stick that in your in your ventilator and smoke it, like or something like that. It's like, I didn't even use my targeting computer. <laughs> well, that, yep. Oh, God. Use a bunch of tech just to live, that, that Darth Vader. All right. You just yeah. got burned, but you're used to it. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's, a, that's a good one. <laughs> All right. So let's go with each of your options before we give the results, as usual. Sure, sure. Charmer, you want to kick us off, buddy? Yeah, sure. I actually voted for the Mandalorian flamethrower this time around, oh. mostly because I was inspired by the card Boba Fett. The moment that I saw... 
the subtitle incinerator, I was like, well, then we have to incinerate people in set one, you know, like, uh, yeah, I, that's, that's where I went. Yeah. It was disintegrator, not incinerator, yeah. but it's all the same. Sorry. Your, your cinders at the end. No True. disintegrations. You know, the Mandalorian does quite literally disintegrate Jawas in uh, season one of the Mandalorian with Incredible. his, with his rifle. You know, that's what the, apparently that's uh, that was a reference to that, you know? Incredible. First of all, again, the fact that that like season one of the Mandalorian was probably, it was, it was, it was probably some of the best Star Wars uh, media out there. But the fact that they're like, Oh, by the way, um, he's just going to ruthlessly murder these Jawas, uh, by the way, you they know, took, did you see what they did to his ship? Yeah, I, I get it. it. But I mean, you know, it's it's it is uh, it just he just and then he like tries to board it like a pirate ship. I just, love it. He just beat the piss out of him. <laughs> Thought, like, I it, love it. It was so good. What about you? What did you select, uh, Doa? Um, you know, I to be honest, I I didn't vote in this one. I I had, I'm embarrassed to admit I missed it on the social somehow. But I will tell you what I would have picked. I tell you what I would have picked. And uh, I would have picked the the lowly vibro axe because sometimes it's not all about our fancy modified blasters or our lightsabers or our starships. Sometimes you just got to use the weapon of, you know, the grunt soldier, uh, you know, literally grunting if you're a Gamorrean guard in, in Jabba's palace armed with the vibro axes, obviously. And then again, like certain vibro blades are capable of, uh, of you know, taking on lightsaber blades too. So it's you've got that going for you, right? It's it's an option. So I, the, I would go with that. You and know? the weakway skiff guards and such, like the weakways were uh, were also yeah. armed with those. Was I think that's I what take he used. That back, though. Vibro weapons can they deflect? lightsabers i think you might be thinking of like force pikes and such like that yeah yeah it's it's in this it's in a similar family of weapon i suppose but yeah. uh but not uh not quite the same thing but either I way you're confusing yeah. vibranium shields not vibro axes oh uh, now we're crossing universes mm, yeah i yeah. mean you you brought in the uh the photon torpedo earlier so i'm just following suit <laughs> <laughs> yep uh, technology we can talk about that next we'll but, do uh, it is mentioned in the ot but anyway continue yeah. we should do an entire episode of like okay let's just do the, these these dream matchups like the the us the uss enterprise oh, e no. versus like oh no not, not that no again. we're not doing it okay uh i selected the uh dl44 heavy blaster it's han solo's iconic weapon and mm. what i wanted to see is because it's I don't think that it's going to be an over-the-top kind of powerful weapon such as the lightsabers were as upgrades in this game. But mm -hmm. I think that I want to see weapons that you can just chuck on anybody that will have an effect, like a, a basic upgrade. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want, uh, you know, like a proton torpedo sounds cool. You know, maybe it's something, a proton torpedo in the game might be something like you put it on an X-Wing or a Y-Wing or any Rebel starfighter and it, if it's attacking a a capital starship, it increases the attack by, you know, uh, it, its attack goes up by five or something. I don't know. Long story short, the DL-44 Heavy Blaster, it is burnt into my mind, much as Greedo is totally crispa on the, on the floor of the cantina. It's an iconic weapon, and I just want to see it because I'm a Han Solo stan. That's it. There's no other science to it. That's all I want to see. Um, That's fair. I'd be shocked if we didn't get that in uh, in the first set. Honestly, if if we're gonna 
I, I, you know, I would imagine, I mean, we don't know, obviously, but if I were designing an initial set, I would like to have all the mains and their signature weapons as upgrades, but yeah, we'll see. Star Wars CCG mains and toys deck. Let's, let's yeah, let's there you that. go. Yep. I, I want to just say really quick, because we're talking about the vibro axe on there instead of, let's say the thermal detonator. I believe that the vibro axe has more screen time than a thermal detonator. Could that be? Other than hmm. Jabba's palace where Boosh uses the thermal detonator and threatens Jabba to, to you know, to expedite the bargain. Sure. You, is there not more screen time of a vibro axe than... I could be wrong. I, there, yeah, it, I mean, I, I would agree because you've got more... I mean, in the whole Jabba's palace sequence where you do yeah. see vibro axes in the OT, like, yeah, you see guards holding him, you see people on the skiffs later on, on the, in the Sarlacc I mean, scene uh, holding him. So a lot more, yeah, overall. There's uh, Lando has one yeah, when he's, he's dressed up too. as a guard, right? Yeah, yep. when he's yep. disguised we as... We need Lando's vibro axe. He's disguised yeah. as Tamtel Screege is the name. That's right. Yep, Tamtel Screege. But he did have a vibro axe. You're right. Mm -hmm. All right. Tamtel Screege. Thank the... you, Star Wars CCG. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It was Tamtel Screege from Jabba's Palace, the set, which was supposed to be like mm -hmm. one of the big hits in the set. It's a shitty card. I don't know what else to say it. Uh, I've got a, a, a box of uh, unopened Jabba's boosters right behind me there. I dare you to that's, open one right now. Set. Are you open one right on stream and open you a Tamtel open one right now? The funny thing is it, it came into a, a shop down in California and it was it was a box. The box was open and it had it was had all the boosters except for one. It was missing a booster. So yeah, I'll open I'll open one right now. I open one. Let's do it. Let's open one right now. See, that's what that's the kind of show we put on here. All right. This is this is it. Here's a yeah. uh, sealed Jabba's Palace booster. Because we do we're talking about Star Wars card games. Right? I'm gonna so, lose from, my mind if he opens a screech. I'm just throwing from, that out uh, there. If if this is Tamtel Screech, that would be incredible, right? If this is Tamtel uh, Screech, then th then so life a, makes sense. Let me give you a little bit of background. It's a nine card booster. This is from so this has been sealed since the year nineteen ninety eight. So <laughs> oh my God, it's twenty five years old, man. That's I know, and we're opening it right now. I'll do it right on on stream. Here we go. Incredible. Yeah. Now this, I think, this is, is the this is content. This is the least. Coveted of the set. Oh my gosh! Sets. I just dropped all the cards. <laughs> Do you not remember almost... how to open these packs? <laughs> well, I've never opened them like holding it up in front of me before. Hold on, hold on. I'm not. I'm not looking at. What do item. I have? I I actually have a whole bunch back One, here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, we have all of them. Okay, so I can't verify the order of the cards anymore. I'm just glad I didn't drop it in my coffee. There you go. But uh, okay, so here's here's the pack. What do we What do we got? We have um, we have. Uh, Whippid, one of the one of the aliens. There we go. We have CZ4. I have to hold it kind of back so it's uh it's in focus. We have uh Dev Devaronian. Remember these guys? Oh yeah, the oh, little, yeah. Little guys. devil dudes. We have uh, a Gran. Yeah. Uh, we have. Oh, speaking of of upgrades and weapons, we have an anti personnel laser cannon. <laughs> there you go. And Tamtel Screech. Uh, we have the uh, we have the uh, used interrupt. Someone who loves you. Oh. Uh, we have a creature. We have Wart. There we go. Nice. And we have a, a Weakway Hunter. Oh. <laughs> it's not Tamtel Screech, but we did get Princess Leia Organa. Oh! It is a main. Wow. We've managed to in, just off the top. We crack a main Incredible. in a box that has not been touched in okay, 25 well, years. There we go. Arguably the best card in the set. I think it, it is might one of the be. best cards in the set. Yeah. 
Well done. Uh, pack did... fresh. Pack fresh. Wow. I should put like a card cover on this or something. Incredible. Here, let me uh, put. The, yeah, I got a penny sleeve. Let me just put it through the internet. Do I have any around? I mean, I've got. I've got these. I don't know if I. I need. I don't want to take those out of the the package. I don't hmm. think so. Well, Let's see. That is incredible. I am. Yeah, I know, right? I am Seriously. over the moon <laughs> that that actually worked out the best way. Let's get to the results there. Uh, of that was the... no. That was no sleight of hand. Seriously. Uh, Gra- graded ones are on eBay for 160. So, put that what? thing in a case incredible i was just gonna say i this think that's the, the only best card in the set because it, it was this... the like least desirable set but that was uh everybody's favorite poll yeah this you know, is, you uh, can stop the only opening sleeves packs i have box. nearby are the uh heart of fiendal sleeves so i'll be using that from pro tour so one there, there we go yeah all right yeah, so, so uh, you can then just put that entire box to bed because i don't think there's anything <laughs> further i was gonna say I wasn't going to open any more packs anyway. It's just kind of sitting there as like a thing. But uh, but you dared me to, so I did. I I can't believe we actually got a main out of that. Incredible. <laughs> That's hilarious. This is the kind of content people come for, right? Boom. So, so here are the results from the poll, which are <laughs> the winner by a wide margin uh, at 69.4%, the DL44 Heavy Blaster. So everybody on the same wavelength. Let's see Han blast some stuff. Second place mm-hmm. is what charmer wanted which was the mandalorian flamethrower at 16.1 percent the proton don't call me photon torpedo 9.7 percent and coming in last the uh should have been a thermal detonator vibroax at 4.8 percent everybody wants to see some pew pew some big time han shot first action can't complain yeah can't complain i agree with what you said earlier where it could be a card that would just like luke's lightsaber you know go extra well on the main but then still usable by by others so this is this has inspired me should we do a giveaway for a pack of jabba's palace i have a (laughs) i have a spare one i will give one away i will send one out should we do that we'll do that for next episode so if you're listening to this okay is that fair or it's your pack it is my pack how about this Let's let's do this for somebody who's listening to this right now. If you can comment in the YouTube video, in the sec in the uh, YouTube video comments, the best way to use a vibro axe that isn't as a weapon. Is that fair? No. 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 <laughs> They're a family friendly uh, channel, sir. Okay. No, no comment. Oh, I d- okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're totally right well, we'll so, fi- all right forget it scrap well, it well lovely weather we've been having lately. we'll just do a twitter thing again i'm sorry we'll just do another the humidity's getting to me we'll do a twitter thing forget what i said let's move okay. to the headlines okay uh, yeah let's just yeah, let's do that okay how about those headlines charmer i'm you do it <laughs> i guess yeah, so uh fantasy flight games had a live stream recently and they were discussing command the aspect and they also released an article as well so if you missed uh the show you can check out the article they are doing a recap of all of the different aspects leading up to the release of the game obviously they've done vigilance in the past they did that one snippet on the importance of heroism and villainy and how they won't crisscross etc but this time it was command the live stream featured uh josh massey who is the organized play manager uh, Tyler Parrott, MJ Cuts, and they gave us quite an overview as well as revealed some new cards. And some of the new cards I think are actually very fun. But the thing that really jumped out to me, and I tweeted about it immediately, was uh, 
this is going to be something that as their kind of aspect identity, we might call it color identity because we're kind of already doing that. Uh, this is going to be something about uh, resources and then also your resource generation, meaning the resources used to pay for cards, but then also making lots of uh, units uh, that are potentially smaller or drawing lots of cards. So like that as a, a resource mechanic as well. And I got really excited when I saw ramp because it's one of my favorite things to play in card games just mm. a, as a general rule. But they don't call it ramp. They call it resource no. acceleration. And you yes. you had your own Right. Acronym. That's why I said resource acceleration means power, power in all caps. And then it was just R-A-M-P ramp. Uh, I took it at more as a uh, Lionel Hutz version, which is resource acceleration, question mark, more, please, exclamation point, <laughs> ramp. What's wrong with that? Yeah. I will say, though, I, I do fear ramp in card games because it is one of those things that can get out of control very quickly from a from a bounce perspective. Um, you know, you we've all played a lot of different card games over the years, and we've all seen metas where it's like the deck that can just build to the stronger thing fastest is usually the strongest deck. So you got to be careful. I think every card game needs some ramp. You need some resource cheating going on, but you have to be really, really cautious about how you implement that, I think. So we'll be keeping a close eye on this one. Well, yeah. we'll talk a bit more about them as well, but uh, it's also worth noting that what they did mention in this stream that isn't command-related was that they were discussing the concept of essentially land destruction, uh, disrupting your opponent's resources, things like mm. stone rain, et cetera, from magic. Uh, what they want to avoid is that. They said that resource generation, resource destruction effects are, are no fun. They've been, they create negative game experiences. They're trying not to implement that for this set, but who knows down the line. Now, again, they're avoiding it for now, it might become a necessity, like you mentioned, because if this becomes a situation where ramp is is a tier one deck and, and only gets better with more cards coming out, then you'll have to print something that is like destroy one of your opponent's resources. Like it's it's a it's almost a, a necessary evil wherein do then we get back into the talk of the merits of a sideboard and formats, which is a, a whole other uh, discussion. But I I will say yeah. there are some clever ways that you can attack it from a game design perspective, because one of the things that is dangerous about land destruction, and I think it's what they're trying to avoid, is that if you destroy somebody's lands, then they like never get to play the game. And it's even more punishing in a game like Magic the Gathering, for example, where you have to draw your lands so you can mm -hmm. be locked out for multiple turns in this game. You always have access to making resources and you're drawing two cards per turn. However, it can still create some very unfun moments in the early game if that's all that's happening. So what I would like to see if they ever do print one would be something along the lines of if your opponent has more resources than you, then you can destroy one. So that if they are specifically ramping, it's your way to slow them down, but not necessarily the way where you just keep things, you know, permanently kind of suppressed. Is that too sideboardy though? We we had the sideboard conversation. I think we were all kind of on the side of we'd rather not see sideboards in this game. So you were on would that something side. like that be too sideboardy? I I was on that side. Yeah. yeah. So one of the ways that I also think you can tackle that, and I was kind of um, 
going to wait, uh, I think, a little bit later uh, to talk about this, but we'll just tie it in right now, is that we've already seen that they're okay with printing cards with multiple options. So I do think that it would be kind of cool. You know, we got to see the Vigilance card later. We're going to talk about the Command card that was revealed. Uh, I would like to see it just be something that's an option where you have a bunch of, uh, you know, minor or kind of like cantrip uh, effects so that you are still encouraged to kind of keep a Swiss army knife in your deck, but it's not something that is like game breaking in any direction. And I think that's the way that you kind of design around potentially not doing a sideboard. I agree. Yeah. That's how I was going to do it. They're definitely not afraid to have a choose one or many style mm -hmm. cards, which I think are important. So having something like that as, as kind of like a fix all type card, I think is, is perfectly fine. I would much prefer that. Yeah. Um, next month's stream will be aggression. So, Looking forward to seeing what that's going to look like, definitely. Uh, but how about those new cards? Let's start off with the new cards, and let's start off with Skeletor himself. We have a brand new, uh, <laughs> we have a brand new leader. A bit, a bit yeah. Uh, come on, I mean, I get it. Um, what damn? What is his name? Not Charles Dance. Charles Dance is the guy who I think should play another Imperial officer. But um, uh, oh my gosh, why am I? For, I'm just looking it up uh yeah i can't remember his, his name either either way it's grand moff tarkin with the most pronounced cheekbones ever Skele will, will hoof tarkin is the well, character name uh but peter cushing actor uh, peter yeah, cushing okay peter yeah. cushing. thank yep. you so he has I'm a embarrassed that i forgot that uh he's the command leader command villainy grand moff tarkin is uh has an the action of costing one and exhausting it give an uh, experience token to an imperial unit so it's basically pay one give somebody permanent plus one plus one uh beyond that the epic action if you control five or more resources deploy this leader on attack you may give an experience token to another imperial unit so it's all part of the imperial tribal it's a two seven uh seven body seems to be the bare minimum of these leaders i don't know if there's anything less than that that we have so far but seven is like probably the going rate um what are your thoughts on grand moth tarkin and this whole you know command being a class that is meant to uh reward board presence and 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 board development um it it seems like they're and they they talked about this in the stream a little bit too that there's sort of little different flavor tweaks between good guy command and bad guy command um, whereas uh, villain command, bad guy command seems to be more about putting uh, these experience tokens on things, buffing things. Uh, I forget which uh, developer mentioned it, but they they uh, kind of were leaning towards the idea of uh, villain command being uh, more going tall, creating like a big, big character that's hard to deal with. Whereas uh, hero command seems to be geared a little bit more towards restore, you know, and like uh, bringing your base back up defending that kind of thing um so that and that seems to be kind of the indication from what we've seen so far i i think that it could be potentially going tall i feel like it actually might be potentially in a in another direction which is going tall but not for the sake of just making a big unit a lot of the other things that we've seen so far from like villainy command are have a resource deal its damage to something. So for me, it's almost like powering up your fleet to take advantage of the aspects, mm -hmm. uh, or excuse me, the actions within the aspect. Um, I, I really feel like this, you know, something we haven't talked about with the archetypes is that there's 
different types of uh, ways that you can play control in card games. And I think that this is going to be setting us up for what I would call board style control, where you're creating these big units both to like attack into other units, obviously, but also to trigger a lot of the actions that we've seen so far within the game. Uh, and he just kind of facilitates that. He's a common as well. And I don't know if that plays into anything, mm -hmm. but this does give us a little bit more coin in terms of like limited and drafting. If this is just in a common slot, I think drafting leaders is going to be like, okay, you could draft the leader or you get stuck with perhaps whatever the token he token leaders are. Um, again, it's still pretty murky in terms of what limited is going to look like. We'll find out, I think, on September 27th when the next stream is, which I believe digs into rarity and pack pack composition i think that's what the next stream is going to be but that'll be a better primer for us to talk about the implications of like limited value and such but he looks uh he looks angry that's for sure yeah i mean uh i i think it'll be fairly exciting to to you know play this style and be giving a lot of tokens to things and uh what's What's interesting is that it feels like you have a little bit more control over, um, you know, where the tokens go to a certain extent with a lot of these cards. So I think that'll give you a lot of options, uh, you know, in the moment to put things on the right place. Gives you a lot of options to make mistakes as well. So I like anything with card games that, that presents more decision points within the game. So it's cool implementation. We'll see. And Tarkin's such a, you know, iconic uh, love to hate him kind of character, right? So, you know, you mentioned Carl's dance. Yeah. I can't help but look at this, and I think that this art reminds me of Bill Nighy. This might be the Bill Nighy version of Tarkin. Uh, when you said Bill Nighy, mm -hmm. I thought of Bill Nye. <laughs> I was going to say Bill Nye, the science guy? No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, Bill, let's, Bill Nighy. I'm not even know. sure who that is. I could be wrong. I'm not but. sure who what? that is either, yeah. Wait, hold Are you on. Kidding me? I don't want to Google it. Bill. Oh, uh, Bill. Oh, that guy. I know oh. it. Oh, let me see. Bill Knight. Was he ever? He didn't. He never did play Tarkin, though, did he? No, he hasn't yeah. done anything in Star Wars, and I think that's he was a, in Harry a Potter. Oh, he was Davy Jones as well. Oh, okay. Okay, well, so I've I'm looking at his like. I can his, see him being Tarkin. His his filmography here. I don't. I haven't seen any of these movies. You've never seen yep. like Shaun of the Dead. Or oh, I've seen. Yes, yeah, so he was okay. I, Shaun of the Dead. Uh, the first thing I thought of was, was literally he looks like the dad from Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, now, yeah, or, but now I know. But like, uh, I didn't. I didn't know uh, the under, dude's name. Underworlds too, right? Like, never seen it. What? Wild, I haven't seen those either. Pirates I'm of the Caribbean. Yeah. Don't. I don't think I've seen those either. Underworld. Never I've seen, seen the Pirates of the Caribbean stuff. Wow. Nope. Love Actually. Haven't seen it. Uh, what else is he in? I haven't okay. seen Love Actually. Harry Potter. Haven't seen it. Uh. Jack the Giant Slayer. What do you Slayer? do with your Have time? Rewatch the same Star Wars movies. <laughs> I, I, I guess. Rewatch but... Seinfeld. Well, that too. Yeah. <laughs> rewatch Seinfeld eighty times. Literally, the only movies <laughs> that he has Horizons. done is that I have seen, and I'm going through like we're into like twenty or thirty deep now. Is I've seen Hot Fuzz about a dozen times, and I've seen Shaun of the Dead about a dozen times. That's it. Okay. I don't think I've seen any of these other movies he's done. So that's this whole Bill Nighy thing. I was like, hmm. who the hell are you talking about? But yeah. So Rugged Survivors. Uh, to... <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go with it. Go with it. The Rugged Survivors. It's our, our second card that uh, was revealed fairly recently. This is not a uh, command card. This is, in fact, a vigilance card, as you can see. 
Um, three five comes out for five has the good old grit keyword which means it gets plus one for each damage on it and on attack if you control a leader unit you may draw a card so again this is when your leader is out on the board when it is in its unit form uh, because a leader is always out but it's not always out as a unit so if it is you can get some uh, card generation with this card so um, it's it's going to be interesting to see uh, how useful a card like this is. Again, it's a common, comes in at a very low power. Uh, it does power up via grit, but it is expensive at five. Um, you know, and, and will the card draw at the stage in the game this card comes out be worth playing it in your deck? That's kind of the, the question I have when I when I look at it. But it's it's a card that does a lot of things. For a common, there's a lot going on in this one card. So it's it's neat in that regard, I think. I think this just goes back to the fact that anytime you draw cards in a game, that's a that's a powerful effect. It's only a common, but I think that this is going to be in a very strong uh, limited card because of the card draw effect. Sure, you get the card draw no matter what as soon as your leader's on the board. But the fact that it also has grit, this could potentially be a, a seven attack uh, ult like at the end of the day because of the grit, right? So it could be more. So I actually really like that we're talking about this after you know, just talking about Grand Moff Tarkin, because one of the things that we have not really been mentioning whenever we bring up the grit keyword is the presence of experience tokens, right? So mm -hmm. the experience tokens, they can be plus one, plus one, but on units with grit, once you get them into combat, it could be the same as like plus two, plus zero, right? If you just take the damage, but you get the bonus attack. And so uh, I actually think these rugged yeah. survivors are going to be fantastic and limited. Can't argue there. Um, let's go to the... Next one, uh, this is, we're back to command, and these were all revealed. Oh, I got to double check who revealed the Rugged Survivors. I want to make sure that I get that uh, get that correct. I want to make sure the right people get credit for Rugged Survivors. This one was, oh, no, it was previewed by FFG, so too bad. Mm, okay. they, they get no they get no love. But there, there you go. Give them credit anyway. Prepare for takeoff. Walk us through this one, uh, Doa. Oh, all right. Um, well, uh, it is a event. It's a plan, specifically. It's always good to have a plan or two. Uh, search the top eight cards of your deck for up to two vehicle cards, reveal them, and draw them. Put the other cards on the bottom of your deck in a random order. So, uh, it, I mean, two paying two, right? Keep this in mind. Paying two to then uh, search the top eight cards of your deck. That is a lot of searching in a 50-card uh, deck, which I believe is a, the deck size for this game. Um, and then finding two vehicle units. So again, this is something geared towards a very vehicle-heavy deck. Um, you know, even if, you know, I, you could get away with less being, you know, vehicle-focused because this top eight, I suppose. That's a big amount of your deck after you've already drawn your cards for your first turn, et cetera, et cetera, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it definitely helps you prepare, theoretically, your next couple turns to get the right vehicles out uh, in the way you want them. So... In terms of uh, you know being a, a a plan a good plan, I think this this definitely works. And I would love to have the ability to say I'm going to make a vehicle deck based around this. I'm going to make a ground deck based around this. And I mean, you know, vehicles can be space, they can be ground. But uh, I I love the idea of saying I'm just playing mech and I'm ignoring things that walk on two legs, except for maybe ATSDs, and I'm just going vehicles, right? So that'd be fun. I, I, I'm excited about what can be done potentially with this card. It enables a strategy is basically what it, it can do in theory. I actually think it enables multiple strategies. That's why I like it. So 
this could very well be a swarm deck hand refill option, right? Imagine a deck where you're playing like a bunch of TIE fighters or something like that. You empty your hand fast and then you want to just get a bunch of more cheap units, continue mm -hmm. the go wide strategy. The other end of the spectrum is you might be playing a deck where you really only care about one unit and it happens to be a vehicle. Being able to pay two to look at eight cards to try to find it is almost like a just straight up tutor with a 50 card deck. But because you put the other cards on the bottom, even if you don't find it, you've now went eight cards deeper into your deck trying to find your combo piece. So if we have any decks that are built around a, a central vehicle unit, this is a great way for you to dig for it, even if you don't find it. Well, it's a that, good point. Yeah, that's a very good point. A very good point. And the eight cards, keep in mind, that's 16% of your deck. So you can look at the six top 16% of your deck. Keep in mind, you've already drawn up a bunch. So you're probably looking at, at that point, if this is your turn one play, let's say, you're looking at uh, probably 20 to 21% of your remaining cards in your deck, which is incredible. Most magic cards that do something like this, like a lot of those blue two-cost cards, are look at the top four and take a card and then put the rest at the bottom. So being able to look at eight and putting two in your hand is incredible. Like Charmer said, I see this more as a swarm style replenish you pay two you might have like five resources only but if everything you're playing costs one two or three you'll look through it and be like okay i'm gonna pay one card to get two which is really good and it's not garbage you get to choose what you want but at the same time i also see the other option here which is the fact that command is going to be heavy into ramp style stuff if your whole plan is to find home one or to find a star destroyer then, dude, you're going to want to play this because if that's your end game or Charmer, the Death Star, who knows, this is what you need to play in order to find it. And I think that I think that prepare for takeoff is probably going to be passed around a lot in draft, but in constructed, this card is going to be very, very important. Yeah, you just show your opponent, you know, a big star destroyer or home one or something, and and you know you're you're putting them on a clock, right? Because presumably you'd only be doing that if you had other ramp stuff, you know, in your hand or likely to come up soon anyway. Um, so yeah, but sometimes like, hey, it's coming. Sometimes it's not in that top eight, and playing that yep. card could feel like a trap, much like our next card. Oh, charmer, would you like to would you like to give us our next one? It's a trap. Uh, Admiral Akbar is our next card. So this is a three-cost ground unit. It is heroism in command, like you would expect. A 1-4 stat line for a rebel official. Does, however, have restore one. However, also has, when played, you may deal damage to a unit equal to the number of units you control in its arena. That is pretty powerful, Obviously, it's a minimum one to a unit in the ground arena, right? He's a ground unit. You play him in the ground. You always have at least one unit because he's going to count himself. Uh, but this is, again, one of those cards where you can develop your board presence while also kind of chipping away at your opponents. It can help you kind of turn the tide. And the fact that it's not limited to the ground arena, right? So if you've got starships and they're trying to contest it, this allows you to develop in your ground area while also continuing to exert control in the space arena, for example. So this is, uh, I think, going to be a really multifaceted card. And the Restore 1 is very relevant as well. 
I can see how this card can be valuable on curve in, you know, you play one or two units early and then you drop them to destroy what their development is. Uh, and then you could start restoring, etc. It's obviously not a ground and pound unit. It's a one attack, four body, three drop, which is understated in that regard. So you're really leaning on the fact that the, the, you're getting value out of the deploy effect. Um, I just want to go off the board real quick and mention that this artwork, I think, is my favorite so far in the entire set. Um, there's so it's much a great image, right? Like, look what's going on behind him. It's incredible. And he's there just kind of like doing like one of these, you know, like, oh, and he's also, you know, just kind of directing the rest of his bridge crew. And in the middle of what is obviously the most dire circumstances for the rebel Alliance ever. And he's just, just app, uh, just full boss mode. Uh, I love this, love this art so much. Yeah, I think the card, too, uh, pairs really well with the one we just looked at, Prepare for Takeoff, right? If, uh, you know, we are talking about that Swarm strategy option there, you can spend a couple turns, you know, putting a bunch of different things in the uh, in the space arena and then uh, dropping Admiral Akbar and just uh, picking off one of your opponent's ships, possibly, or, you know, doing some damage to something to let, you know, another one of your units finish it off, so... I think specifically, if you are going to run that sort of lots of X-Wings, lots of that kind of thing deck, uh, you know, him and the next card we're going to look at are going to be both cards you're putting in there for sure. And this doesn't have to necessarily target a ground area, right? Like, you can drop them on the ground. If you're just commanding in space, you got like four or five units in space, you just drop them and be like, yeah. you, give the order, smash it up. Feels good. Yep. Dunk them with a proton torpedo. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to... I have been dishing out these cards because I really want to do the next one, which is going to allow mm -hmm. some one of you two to fight over the big one. But I would love to do the next one, unless no, you can you can Go do the it. next one. I just need you to know up front, this is my favorite art so far. Oh, it is I, another much like, great piece. Much of like art. Doa, I'm a sucker for big space battles. Damn right, oh, yeah. damn right. So let's zoom out of the previous card because where he is just pulling up heavy in that whip. That whip itself, home freaking one. Finally, we get the big boys. Home one appears, which is, again, the Alliance flagship. It is an eight drop command and heroism aspect. Seven, seven, a rebel vehicle, capital, uh, capital starship. It has restore two built in. Also, each other friendly unit gains restore one. When played... Play a heroism unit from your discard pile. It costs three less. Holy moly. This is also a legendary. So we can definitely see why this thing packs a punch. The artwork is absolutely brilliant. You're not wrong about it. But we get the, we get the, the end game piece, which is you can play this. Now, if you want, you can grab like an X-Wing. You can grab something else out of the thing just to kind of show up to the party with it at a discount. Um, beyond that, everything else gets restore one. Much like, again, if like we always do, we're going to look at this thematically. When this shows up to the party, everything turns. Everything changes. You were playing from behind. Now you start clawing back because the big boy's here. You start gaining back that confidence, that life total. Your base starts getting bigger, better, badder. And gosh dang it, do I love the home one. I mean, 
It is, uh, you know, it's it's Admiral, theoretically, it's Admiral Akbar's ship, right? And uh, it just so happens that you can bring Admiral Akbar back for free if he's in the discard pile and you drop it. So that is uh, that is the synergy we're looking for. You know, that is, uh, it's his ship, so it should bring him back. If he's not around when his ship shows up, he will be, right? So you, you love to see that too, because again... It's uh, it's another thing where you can, you know, drop Akbar down. The flagship comes in, augmenting everything else in the fleet that's going on in space. I, I love the idea of all that. Um, you've got big things like Restore Two, and Admiral Akbar has Restore One. So suddenly, you're also showing up with a, a pretty good amount of Restore. You know, plus you're giving another friendly unit Restore One. You can give that to Akbar when you when you bring him back, right? So, or it says each other friendly unit actually. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to be restoring a lot of health. It's a good thing. I was a little bit sad when I saw the power and toughness, and then I was thinking about it, and I'm like, I guess Home 1 really is only about as big as, like, an Imperial-class Star Destroyer anyway. It's like, it's nothing compared to the Executor and all that. They're Executor. I've been oh. calling it Executor since, like, I was a kid. But I, that's I can't what it's change called. anytime it's, soon. It's called the Executor. But everyone tries to tell me it's Executor. Like you're like you're executing something. I always saw it as executor. Like you're controlling everything as if you are the executive. That's what of it the is. Empire. Plus, which is I don't know why my middle school self would think of it that way, but I did. <laughs> plus the the word executioner exists, which is the correct yeah, term. So exactly. Right. So I think it is executor. It is executor. I've always believed that. Yeah, but people keep trying to tell me it's executor. Like you're executing. I'm like I don't think so, but that seems to be such like a prevalent thought right now. Charmer, what is it? It's the Exacutter. I guess, swear to God. I Executor? Swear to, I, I actually have a question. <laughs> it, it is, so it is a Executor, in my opinion, because, uh, as you said, Executioner is a word that exists. Yeah, so uh, why, why are we inventing them? <laughs> like someone I, who executes is not called an Executor. You know, it's <laughs> it's an exe Executioner. The yeah. person who gives the command to do so is the Executor. However, right. the person who is committing the the execution is an ex executioner not an ex right ex the whatever. executor gives the executioner the order to execute perfect and that's that's it i yeah. actually have a rules question about okay. this the stacking of restore one can it, mm. it does does akbar now become restore two or does one superimpose over the other and you can only take the greater of the two therefore always one I'm really curious about that. Avid. I would personally read it as additive. I don't think they said anything about that. But I mean, I think you you look at uh, um, you well, I you look at a card, and uh, I was actually talking to someone you know uh, earlier from Fantasy Flight about this type of rules thing, and uh, they said, well, we uh, you know we want you to be able to we want the cards to be intuitive, right? You look at it, you read it, and it does what you think it would do. You know, so I take that as uh, in my opinion as saying this would be additive right if i have a card that has restore one and another card that uh gives a unit restore one but i don't know i honestly don't know for sure so don't take my word for it that's just how i would interpret it all right all right how do you feel about the card charmer I mean, the card as a whole, I think, is fantastic. I think home one is exactly the sort of bomb that you kind of want to build toward, especially because, it, one, it's thematic, but also what I really like about it is the on play you get the other smaller unit, right? A lot of times when you're playing these kind of 
either slower control decks or things like that, you are sometimes incentivized to wait playing some of your key units, like, for example, Admiral Akbar, right? You might be incentivized to wait and not play him on curve, but now this is giving you the option to say, no, like, still have fun with the game, play your stuff early, get in those skirmishes, mm -hmm. and then you'll still get to live the dream of home one with Admiral Akbar or whoever. So uh, I really appreciate that. I also kind of like that this is both a wide and tall strategy, right? The home one and Admiral Akbar uh, effects give you a bigger bonus if you are wide, right? The more units you have, the more damage you deal with Admiral Akbar. The more units you have, the more units get restore. But also you want to kind of go tall or ramp to get to playing home one faster. So um, just overall, I, I think that it, it hits uh, a home run in terms of uh, theme and design and I'm a I'm a big fan. What do you think though? Does Admiral Akbar get restore two instances of restore one, or does it just does one just sort of like supersede the other? Well, thus resulting in only one. Star Wars CCG had the 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 rules that things did not add up unless it had the word cumulatively. Mm. Uh, but it's for example, like if you give a card lifelink in Magic, and then another card gives it lifelink, does it have twice as much lifelink? So, well, that's a keyword thing, though. Sure, but this number this, thing. Um, yeah. here, here's my take on it. While I do understand uh, why a lot of folks would look at that and think of additive, that was that was my initial response uh, as well, was to think like, oh, okay, well, with Admiral Akbar, it should be restored too. The more that I look at it, um, I think that it's probably going to mean that Admiral Akbar still only has restore one, because the restore keyword is written as restore one, not restore plus one. And so I Fair don't enough. think that there is any sort of addition. I think that it's just if you don't have restore one, you gain it. And if you already have restore one, gaining restore one again doesn't do anything because you already had it. It would be like giving a unit overwhelm overwhelm again. Right. I think yeah, that's I the way that they're going to approach it. I lean towards I that way. I can see them doing it that way. I, I lean towards you just take the bigger of the two or you can choose like maybe you don't want to restore you know if 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 home one said re give each of your units restore two that means that admiral akbar has restore one and restore two but you can only choose the the whichever you want which would be well, that would, seems that seems even more complicated than maybe again i'm but, thinking about from like a new player i'm looking at this yeah. and i don't necessarily know everything deeply you know oh see in this case read the card explains the card doesn't exactly work so ffg if you're listening to this please give us a heads I up mean, on this there I mean, is the, that but the argument be, is that it okay. could be uh additive in that it has you know it has restore one and if it gains restore one then it's just on there twice and so you activate it both times right that's like, how i think be, oh okay yeah that, yeah that 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 okay maybe i'm sold that's on why that. I, when i say additive i'm not yeah that's that's more what i'm thinking is that it has two instances of restore right. one okay yeah. right so yep because gaining restore one doesn't mean it it loses the restore one it already has but and the thing is, with with every card game, you're going to have rules that need to be explained. It's just the nature of the complexity of card games. But uh, um, I, I am curious how they're going to rule that one. Because as, as far as I know, they haven't said anything 
on that topic yet, but maybe they will now. Oh, I hope they I hope they comment on this video. Please let us know. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd love to know. One of the things that I'm really liking about a lot of this, especially this combo of Akbar and Home One, which is what you guys were talking about, especially you, Charmer, when you're talking about waiting on a card to play it at the right time. Home One kind of allows you to liberally play Akbar. What I'm beginning to see here a lot more clearly is that FFG has created a game that they don't want to be stagnant. They don't want to be slow. They want you to jam your cards, start swinging, mm. get those cards back, hunt for your big bombs, because I think what they're looking at here is, and I'm looking way ahead, is I think they want this to be a best of three game. Um, mm. Because, the, and, and that's that's part of it. It's like, if games are going to be under 20 minutes, then let's let's make sure that people have access. Like, smaller deck at 50, you start with two resources. Uh, you're drawing to a turn, a lot of tutors, a lot of recovery effects, and a lot of damage being dealt. I think that this is a game that wants fireworks and wants resolution within uh, in under 15 minutes. And I'm, I'm kind of all for that. Because as people like you, like us three, that have been so entrenched in flesh and blood... I mean, I'm a Guardian player. Uh, Charmer, you're a Guardian player. Oh, no. we, I'm the opposite. Exactly. We are built. We are absolutely built for 45-minute games, like, plus, every time. That's, that's the expectation. So seeing something that is fast and furious like this is such a nice change of pace, but I'm still going to build a control deck, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I do wonder about the game length. I, I think it's... Obviously, it's going to be variable, de variable depending on the deck. Um, things like Restore could theoretically extend the length of the game, but uh, just from what just from what I'm looking at, I'm kind of thinking the same thing that you are, where this is looking more like a best of three type game uh, from the competitive perspective. But I kind of always have liked games where you just play one game for a tournament match. You know, I, I like when a game is deep enough and has enough decision points in it that you can determine the best player by just playing one game. But uh, but I, I agree. I think this is looking a little bit more like a, a best of three game to me. But I don't think they've I don't think they've said anything officially with that yet. So we'll have to wait and see. I, I could also see it just being a best of one type of thing if there's enough other cards that that we see eventually that kind of lead to that where it is going to extend the game where you are returning a lot of stuff and you are healing a lot of stuff and extending the the you know length of time it takes to kill a base. We'll see. This is a Star War, okay? Not a star battle. Yeah, it's just not a star skirmish. I see. I see. All right, should I flip a coin on who wants to do the next one? Or ah, I think you... I think I did the la I think I did vigilance. So so charmer, you you did you do command then? I'll take command of the situation and oh reach into that well <laughs> again, mostly Go just to see Flake's response. Oh my god! So command is uh, the other legendary that was revealed, obviously home one legendary unit command, the legendary action for the aspect command. It is a four cost event that does have the two command symbols. So it's following in the footsteps of vigilance and it says choose two in any order, give two experience tokens to a unit. So that helps with our go tall part. A friendly unit deals damage equal to its power to a non-unique enemy unit. So again, that reinforces my theory about the board presence uh, being the form of control. Uh, we also have put this event into play as a resource. So that feeds the ramp game strategy. 
And finally, return a unit from your discard pile to your hand. So that also fills that kind of extend your resources thing. So I just really love this. I think all four of these are very on brand for the aspect identity. This card is, uh, again, much like Vigilance was, this card is also such a house of a card because let's just go through them really quick. Give two experience tokens to a unit. Something's about to die, you know, something on the board that looks like it's threatened. Let's just give it a little pat on the back. Let's give it a little lift. No problem. How about the next one? Friendly unit deals damage equal to its power to a non-unique enemy. That is removal that you could pair up with the two experience points to just crush something that needs crushing. But... Put this event into play as a resource. Frankly, this is kind of like if you're if ramp like late game, you're probably not going to do that one. But if there's nothing else to do that makes sense, that's a very good universal option. But what I like is the last one because remember you're talking about oh play the Akbar because you're going to get home one, no problem. Well, how about this? How about you play command to get back home one to get back Akbar, and suddenly you're uh, you have an eleven point um yeah sorry a twelve resource turn that has generated you an, a, a nutty amount of value um, because you could play command to put the home one back into your hand and then use it as a resource to pay for the home one that gets you the free Akbar that nukes something on the board and suddenly you're back in the game, baby. I really like command as an aspect. I really, really like command as an aspect. Yeah, it also costs four, uh, like Vigilance does. So, uh, you know, that that uh, if we can take a sample size of two as an indication, that seems to be the standard for these uh, aspect kind of hallmark cards. Um, so we'll kind of keep an eye out for that. Obviously, it does have the double command aspect, which can make it more expensive in certain situations. So you want to kind of keep that in mind uh, from a deck building perspective. Uh, you know, paying four for it may be challenging uh, from in some situations. But uh, either way, it, it's going to result in a big turn. I mean, and, and this, this is supposed to, right? They're supposed to be legendary cards. They're supposed to have a big impact. Uh, so I, I love the idea of being able to put it into play as a resource. I mean, that's just really nice to essentially get a discount on it, right? You pay for, you do one effect, and then you put it in play as a resource. So you kind of get like one of those back that you paid for it, which can lead to all sorts of other, you know, good turn things. So yeah, there's a lot of different options. And, and again, I'm all about decision points. These cards give you a lot of choices out of one card, uh, which I think is a lot of fun. And I think it increases, it, it ups the skill ceiling, you know, of what you can do in a game, which is always good. The art, too, is cool because it looks like Mon Mothma just found pepperoni on her vegetarian pizza. <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> what, what is this? Yeah, she's like, are you freaking kidding me? What is this? <laughs> I, you know, honestly, art-wise, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm not the biggest fan of this one. I think, I think you could use a little bit more detail in it. I think uh, I understand sort of the the painterly style they're going for with it, but I could use a little bit. It looks a little bit too rough to me. Oh, so I'm, I have to be honest and say I'm not the biggest fan of the art on this card. I think I just figured out who one of those random rebel uh, commanders are in the back from Ooh. Star Wars CCG. I think it's Waylex Blissex. Um, oh. I know. This is a deep-ass okay. <laughs> cut. I'm going to find the dude's card, and you tell me that this is not this dude. Uh, let's see if I can't copy the image here for the file. Uh, tell me that's not this guy. Oh, did you see it? Hold on. Let me... Uh, oh, it wait. does. It does kind of... Well, I'm waiting to... Yeah, scroll up. Uh, scroll up back to the uh, the head of the headlines where the cursor is oh. the... Is oh yeah, totally. Look, 
General Waylex Blissex. That's gotta be him. Yeah. So once again, we come back to the 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 holy land that is Star Wars CCG, and these random <laughs> actors are now gonna start collecting their uh, their uh, residuals because their appearance, their likeness, has once again shone. Like sh- the, the resurrection of these people's careers. It's incredible. I'm I'm. We'll need a, a card for him too now. I'm a yeah. little bit proud of myself for figuring and for knowing this dude's name <laughs> I, d- I didn't know that name that that is impressive like i mean i remember that guy standing back there but i did not remember the card name so so props to you uh, fun you. fun factoid for the old decipher star wars ccg uh they were supposed to put little lore blurbs in each of the cards and they asked lucasfilm like well do you have what what do we put in these because we're doing all these obscure characters and, and they were apparently told i just make something up so a lot of canon for Star Wars like came from just random designers at uh, at Decipher making lore blurbs for some of these cards, which is which is great. Things have things have definitely changed for the Star Wars intellectual yeah, property so. since then. But I, I love that that time existed and we got all sorts of great stuff out of that. Like for instance, the the lore tidbit from Salacious Crumb uh, from Salacious Crumb's card that he has to make Jabba laugh once per day at least, or he will die. <laughs> Which is kind of a sad <laughs> life, but also hilarious. So thank you. Thank you, Decipher. Uh, gone, gone, but not forgotten. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Would it be embarrassing if I told you I know probably the names of the, the two or three Mon Cal commanders? And there's, I think there's General Thanispe. There's Major Hashin back there as well. Um, I could sure. be wrong. I don't want to be the dude that is like, well, I, they all look the same because that's a terrible thing to say. But still, I, I can't hey. dis, I can't decipher which one is which and pun intended well, they on that just one. see if we had more detail maybe we'd be able to see true still just saying you know mon mothma looks like uh like she hailed a cab and it drove right past her so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah or like uh or someone uh you know she she was playing an online tournament she noticed somebody maybe swipe something from off the uh, the webcam right <laughs> oh yeah what is this yeah, a one, like, this uh, is a one-piece tournament hey. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh any last well, thoughts on the card, uh, Charmy Boy? I was just already in my head figuring out what altars I wanted made, and I wanted one made where instead of Mon Motha, it's uh, Mon Mothman saying, like, where's my <laughs> lamp? That's that's there where my go. brain was. I was already way off the rails. My internal monologue was uh, correcting the art through altars. And then could- I, was, I was always curious as a kid, too, if because uh, you've got moths in the Empire, was it Mons in the in the Rebel side? I know now that it's just that character's name. Her name is just Mon Mothma. But when I was a kid, you know, you kind of wonder these things. You're like, does the Empire have Moths and the Rebels have Mons? You know, why why not? And for a long time, too, when I was a kid, I thought it was Mom Mothma. And I was like, well, she kind of seems like the mom of the Rebellion. She's kind of, you know, in charge of everything, but it's, it's Mon. But I think I said Mom Mothma as a child for many years. I just, I want norm mcdonald to tell the moth joke to her because the light was on well <laughs> so i i was on the other end i always said mon but my issue was I, I watched a lot of godzilla back then so i used to say mon mothra like as a freudian <laughs> slip and then i couldn't stop uh-huh <laughs> and when you're done with the death star take out godzilla too I, 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 I had I had a buddy that made fun of me every time we played the Star Wars uh, CCG because I would say Mon Mothra like clockwork. I couldn't. That stop. sounds like a great like, altar as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
We'll have to uh, contact our good friend Mara Farris to, to do this. You Mothra know, Ferris, yeah. Moth, Moth, Moth Ferris. <laughs> all right. That is all the reveals, all the spoilers. Let's get into the topic, which is, of course, command mm-hmm. as an aspect in general, uh, which is the fact that, well, hey, they're going to be going through one aspect per month. I think we've done, what, three of them already? Uh, we've done villainy, we've done command, yeah. and we've done vigilance. So we're getting closer. I, I thought heroism and villainy were kind of That's done. Right. We, kinda, we got a two right. for one yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Those were kind of a, um, a so California dream and aggression coming, which means cunning will be the last. I know. The funny thing is we've seen a lot of cunning stuff already. Um, that's just kind of, you know, come out with the other reveals, you know, via like play tests and things like that, that they've put up there. Um, so that's, I wonder what we're going to see for cunning. Cause I feel like we've seen a lot of cunning already. I'm really hoping cunning is going to be all the gangster stuff. Plus all the, I want to see hunters. bounty hunters are going to be the cunning ones. Maybe yeah. we get, Oh God, if we get Cad Bane, I will lose it. I would love I, to see Cad Bane. Please tell me we get two Lando cards. We got to have two Lando cards. We need a we need a cunning heroism Lando and a cunning villainy Lando. You know, Ooh. it's uh I I think because he he plays both sides and he is cunning throughout. So that would be right. Yeah, that, one's, yeah. that one's free fantasy flight. <laughs> I stole that from the the old card game. It's there was yeah, obviously yeah, yeah yeah. But I mean, free if, if you if count Temple, I, I do yeah. I do like that. I yeah. also as far as like just cunning stuff goes i know we're already off the rails once again but uh, i just really hope we get andor like we gotta have a cast oh sure there. yeah i was just he... thinking a triple a triple aspect card villainy command cunning thrawn give me freaking hmm. thrawn i think that if you're gonna be restrictive in terms of your deploy cost by by triple triple aspecting it then you got to put your big baddies behind that. And to me, one of the biggest baddies outside of Palpatine, outside of Vader, it's Thrawn. Um, and I will I will go to my grave thinking that Thrawn is probably the biggest threat to, you know, the New Republic, to whatever, you know, mm-hmm. that as as much as Palpatine was, as much as Vader was, Thrawn's up there. A group, like, I'm sure I, we're going to get Thrawn at some point. If we don't get him in the first set, um, which I wouldn't be surprised if we don't, because this seems more kind of classic era Star Wars, but like I'm sure we're going to get him at some point. He's too cool, and he's going to be in Ahsoka now. So, you know, I mean, we he was canon, then he wasn't canon, now he's canon again, now he's going to be in a show, so he'll be around. And this will, this will uh, finally, finally we will have had both Mickelsons in Star Wars now. Both we need, Mads and Lars. Oh, now we just need Phil Mickelson in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that might be a little bit more challenging. Yeah. <laughs> just shooting drives out the space lock. Oh, just like right, right out of the hangar. <laughs> Imagine, we had pod racing, so why not space golf? You dude, know? why not? Just set yeah. up, a, put a ball, like a thermal detonator on a tee. It's like, we have one shot. Bring in Phil. And he just shows up and just fires a 300-yard drive through like the through through the hangar into like the mm-hmm. opposing space shuttle spaceship <laughs> there's your thermal detonator uh all right command as as described in the article by the developers it's a it's a aspect that is meant to um promote and and nurture things like board presence resource acceleration it cares about units it cares about 
developing, growing your board and and nurturing and improving the units that you are are developing. And I don't know about you guys, but to me, this sounds a lot like putting a lot of a lot of early game and late game improvement effects. So a lot of you know two to three drops that your uh, uh, that your six and seven drops are just going to immediately like your stormwind champion from uh hearthstone which is an arena mm. arena just home run you drop it on the board everything gets better we've seen it with home one and i think that's what command is is looking to to dig into i think command is your it's your tcg basics uh aspect where it's uh you know it's all about the board, what you have on your board, how what you have interacts with what your opponents has, how you improve or get it back, that kind of stuff. This is this is your uh, tempo TCG basics aspect, you know, where this is the one where I think this will if you're a new player to card games, this this aspect will teach you the fundamentals, I think, the best in terms of board interaction and state. So, yeah, it's, it's cool to see. I think it's going to be an aspect a lot of people are going to build around. Um and uh, you know, again, like bearing, you know, whatever comes out in the other aspects, but it just it's just solid, right? It's got so many good core fundamental things for card games wrapped up in it. So yeah, strong. I think TCG basics is a great way to describe it. I also think that it's gonna be really just sticking to exactly what the aspect title implies, which is uh, you're going to likely have a bunch of small units and then a couple of big ones that just enhance everything because it's all about commanding an army, right? You need a bunch of smaller army units to have your commander be in command of um, or, you know, your capital starship or whatever your big payoff is. Uh, I do think that it'll be interesting to see how this plays out just because, again, this is an attacker chooses targets card game, which means all of those little units, theoretically, you could just ignore them if you're the other player and try to go aggressive and then potentially outrace their big payoff, right? I do think that that's one of the ways they're going to balance this. And one of the reasons why I don't think that the resource acceleration will be too big of a problem, I think it'll still be very powerful. But I think that the fact that this is a board centric game that also has two lanes you are definitely sacrificing a fair amount of tempo in order to build your resources instead of putting stuff on the board so yeah this... i mean you can ignore all those all those little guys until they all get restore one then then right. suddenly uh a little bit scarier too but uh but yeah i it's it's fun whenever you have multiple aspects you have to consider uh, defending and attacking via. Um, and a, lo a lot of games have this. Uh, you know, Legend of the Five Rings, which is a, a LCG that, well, it was a TCG way back when. Then Fantasy Flight made an LCG for a while with it. But you had two forms of attacking. You had military and political. And uh, so you had to keep in mind, you know, all right, well, if I put this into the military side of things, I'm going to open myself up to the, you know, the potential damage of the the political side. And so this has ground and space. So you have that same kind of dynamic, um, which is it's just really fun. It seems very it seems really hard the first couple of games and then you kind of get the hang of it. But I like the way it makes you think. What I'm curious about is whether this this aspect seems like a slower game type to you or a faster game type to you because 
Hmm. Board presence and such usually alludes to building a quick board, being aggressive in that regard. And obviously, if you're dropping something like home one late, and we don't know what else is coming down the board in terms of big baddies that might be able to help everything. But ultimately, you're you're already having a board that is going to get more threatening as time goes by. And as you're ramping, you know, there's ramp in the degree of I might drop one or two defensive related tactics early in order to you know, stall out your your aggression until I get to my big things. But that's a slower game. That's like the druid game in Hearthstone of just get to 10 mana as fast as possible then start pumping the board up with humongous threats. This doesn't seem like that. I think that this is a faster game type that the the ramp aspect of developing more resources is purely so that you can drop that home one to make everything just... Un- feel unbeatable where now even if your unit dies you're getting a lot of you're getting a lot of value out of it i feel like the command to me is leaning closer to an aggressive build but again we don't have all the cards and when we see cards like dj death star which by the way charmer DJ Death Star is now what people are calling this card, which is great. Ever since that throwaway line where I'm like, this dude looks like he's part of like Daft Punk, and you're like, yeah, it's DJ Death Star. That is what the name <laughs> of the card is now. So I, I, we got to be fits. happy. About it. it does fit. He is definitely he's definitely at a club in space somewhere. Yeah, but, no doubt. But that's a dude that I think uh, is just is just one of those quick game quick dudes to jam on the board when he dies great you kind of want him to it's but the early game presence and the early game kind of go wide weenie approach is is looks like that's the way that this is gonna go from what we see so far but maybe i'm wrong i mean i wonder because you can really it depends on how you build right because you can certainly build in a command way that is focused on extending the game if you think about something like command heroism you've got a lot of restore you've got a lot of shields coming out you could, you know, use command to ver- to really augment a longer game kind of strategy. But on the other on the other hand, you're absolutely right that you could go the other way too. You know, throwing experience points around, uh, focusing on you know uh, dealing free damage essentially to your opponent's units and things. Uh, so I think on the the light side, on the the rebel side, you could be looking at going a little bit longer. And on the villainy side, on the dark side of the force, you could look at kind of uh, making things a little bit more aggressive. But I think that's another one of the selling points for this is that it does really kind of cover both sides and you can a- approach it in a balanced way, or you can kind of lean into one of the two, it seems like with command and uh, you know, you know, style your gameplay uh, towards that. So I like the flexibility. I think that in a vacuum, if we're talking solely about this particular aspect, this is basically pure speed. I think this is the second most aggressive aspect in the game because I think aggression is going to, you know, fit that bill, be number one. Again, we won't find out for sure until we see some more cards, but all things point in that direction. But after I mean, that, if aggression talking, isn't the most aggressive aspect, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Right. <laughs> uh, but after that, like if you're talking in a vacuum, just for this aspect all this thing cares about is production whether that is producing resources on the board producing units on the board it wants you to get to your game state now and it's going to speed things up by getting resources faster and finding units faster for you to do that again like what doe is saying it depends on what you pair it with if you take this and you combine it with vigilance where the units that you are finding and playing have sentinel and you're slowing down the pace of the game then it'll be a slower 
gameplay, right? But there's also entirely ways that this could be a swarm aspect. I also think that this could very much be a combo oriented aspect. I know we haven't seen much in that regard yet, but uh, when I see prepare to uh, take off, for example, I I just see a combo tool, right? Uh, again, mm. if we want to dig through our deck, that's a great way to do it. And if your combo requires resources, this is a great aspect to do that. If this you know combo you're trying to pull off requires you to have key units on the board, right? Because again, this is a board centric game. If your units have died, well, so far the recursion we've seen is in command for taking units from the you know discard pile, either putting them into play or putting them back into our hand. That's in command as well. So I'm looking at this and saying, you know, in a vacuum, I think this wants faster gameplay. And it's just, you know, either get to your bombs faster, get to your combo faster, or puke units onto the board faster. It's a good way to look at it. Um, I mentioned Thrawn as a command-oriented unit. I don't know if there's anything else that Certainly. you, in your minds, that would, like, characters that we haven't seen yet that might, like the executor perhaps as a ship not the executor oh absolutely yeah what do that'll, you guys think that'll be that'll be out there the executor uh has to be a, a villainy uh command uh, ship in, in in my opinion uh it could be no it's got to be villainy command it, it's a flagship it is the command ship of the empire so i i was like can you work it into aggression no i don't think so i i think it would have to be command villainy personally i'm trying to think of other uh you know options for so command type of units general so oh no wait never mind what's He's interesting to me is like i fully expect uh java for example to be cunning and villainy but i could see him be a command unit he's just sitting around giving orders all day right um, I just don't think that he's like that inspiring level of command so i still fully expect yeah. him to be you know cunning villainy i think he's gonna fit in with that kind of fringe bounty hunter style a bit more anyway um, but outside of that, I would say like, uh, in the first set, we probably have a bunch covered in the future. I would look for, um, units like, uh, Padme, right? I think that she very well could be a, a command unit, for example, hmm. Queen Amidala, I guess I should say Padme might be something different if they want to split that up. So Queen Amidala, I would expect to be like a, a heroism command unit. Mace Windu, I think. Yeah. Mace. Yoda. Yoda. We have like a Yoda already. Yoda, Yoda leader, though. Oh, yes. Yes, could yes, be, yes. Could be command heroism. Yeah. Uh, see, the way that I, I pictured the Jabba thing is Jabba is cunning and villainy. I And he, I think he delegates to Bib Fortuna, who is command. So Bib Fortuna yeah. is the one doing all the, sure. all giving out all the orders, whereas the cunning aspect is, uh, is more so Jabba. But or like Lobot, if we had a Lobot leader, he could be uh, Command Vigilance. Oh, I yes. Yeah. Yes. Because mm -hmm. he has like that, like he has like those like Google, Google that like Google visor going thing, but it's on backwards. Well, He's got the Jordy and the Forges on backwards. It's a, it's, a, you know, apparently, according to the Decipher CCG, it's because uh, he was a, a criminal that was 
uh, forcibly reformed with uh, brain-altering implants. So <laughs> there you go. Went yeah. from criminal to middle middle manager via cybernetic augments. I mean, that's, that's Star Wars. That's how you get promoted at Tesla. So I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I, I just picture the, the people at Decipher all mm. in a boardroom. They're like, all right, how do we fill this lore box? Uh, I don't know. Let's talk about that that thing on his head. What is it? I don't know. Maybe it's like, maybe it helps him do stuff like a calculator. All right, but hold on a second. What if he was should a we, criminal? Should we read? I've got this job as pals. Should we re- read some some lore real quick? Uh, the, yeah. I'll, I'll, the the lore for the the Weequay Hunter. There you go. Um, to maintain their religious practices, <laughs> Weequay Hunters capture banthas. The beasts are then sacrificed as part of a battle ceremony. Tuscan raiders tend not to appreciate this. It's it's on the it's on the card. It's it's canon. It's canon. All right. I like how they're already just inciting religious <laughs> warfare <laughs> between like two warring tribes. Yeah. Um, oh, how about the how about the, uh, the you ever want to learn about the 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 Gran the three eyed you know kind of guys Gran uh, Moth uh, Tarkin? <laughs> no, different. That's Dang. a different one. From an ancient civilization, pacifists, those who commit acts of violence are banished from their home planet. Kinyan organizes peaceful protests against the Empire. There you go. Who knew? Never yeah. worked. It, it's not a real protest against the Empire, though, because if the Empire was present for said protest, then there would be no protest. It would be... Yeah, you know what they well, did? Sorry. They would I... have a very American response. I'll put it that way. All the Grands <laughs> do is they all they do is they just put hashtag thoughts and prayers and tweet that out, and that's their peaceful protest. Completely off a of burner account, so nobody finds them. I just read the lore for for Princess Leia Organa. This Lay is the, it on the us. Classic, uh, you know, you know the the bikini Leia one. So their their uh, their lore for this one is uh, captured by Jabba. Princess Leia provided a distraction for his hench beings, waiting for the first chance to escape. Really made Jabba's tail wiggle. <laughs> I mean, that was true, but the thing is, it was wiggling when she was choking him to death. So that's kind of like a, a double double meaning kind of inside joke thing if you know the movies. But, oh, Decipher, your, your card lore if you, was, just, was just great. If you, <laughs> if, now, it's not, it's not actually there as a subtitle, but if you translate the, like, Huttese when he's getting choked, he actually says, harder, mommy. But I, I no, do, that's I'm, not true. Obviously not. I'm just <laughs> saying. If we're gonna, there get... are people out there that are ready oh. to believe that. You got to be in, careful. In saying the comments, tell us about that vibro axe, and we'll. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a mo- most most chokeable officer, but I guess we could have uh, expanded it to most chokeable <laughs> character because uh, Java did die via asphyxiation. Uh, so, all right. Well, there you go. W- you a lot need... of that going on in Star Wars. Is... Or, uh, Leia Organa asphyxiation. Hmm? Who else did she choke? No, I mean, that's Jabba. Like, he died by oh, Leia Organa right. asphyxiation. I right. swear to yeah. God. Anyway. No, we just... <laughs> Doa, I've, I'm just telling you, we just, we just ignore him and we move on. That's how we do this. Oh. We love you, Charmer, so much. Hey, hey. Really you, make my tail wiggle. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Hey, you know when you're uh, the leader of a crime syndicate... Uh, Charmer. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, you know, obviously. I mean, yeah, oh wait. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Uh, um, there goes my witness protection. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, your your best bounty hunter just gets you know yeeted into the side of your space yacht, and all of a sudden there's a a chain wrapped around your neck. What what are yeah. what do you say in that situation? 
apparently harder, mommy. <laughs> well, I think no. You do the you do the 1990s like record scratch. Like yeah, in Jabba's voice. Yeah, that's me. I bet you're wondering how I ended up in this situation. <laughs> That's a, what, what else do you do? Uh, it all started when this farm boy made me an offer and gave me these two droids. Uh, it all started when I decided to keep a pet rancor. There's, there was yeah. a, there was a plan here so we could move on. Charmer well, just, you, you know well, what? I, I have a bad feeling about your plan. <laughs> I got a bad feeling about this. I have a bad feeling about this. I've got a bad feeling about this. Quiet. Whoa. All well, right. There we go. We got there. Um, wonderful, wonderful. This is this has been quite the episode. Uh, it's a great episode. We we pulled a main character randomly out of a twenty five year old pack. We uh, you know we talked a lot about being excited about the game. It's it's good stuff. I'm opening this next episode. Okay, this oh, this young pack Jedi. of young Jedi. Which, wow. I mean, and we'll do a giveaway. So keep an eye out on our Twitter. But we do have a mailbag, ladies and gentlemen. It is the bad feeling mailbag. You can send us your questions. Wampa Radio Podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at Wampa Radio. Send us your question. We love to answer them. And this one is from our friend Board Play J asking There seems to be a lot of gameplay on what looks like Tabletop Simulator uh, and Felt Table, I believe, both, uh, mm. just in case. I have been staying away uh, from them because all the starter cards have not been revealed. What is your take on these plays? Yay or nay? So I'm, I'm assuming this is more so along the lines of playing the game early, playing it on an unlicensed, unofficial platform. We all have experience doing this. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts? Who wants to take a stab at this first? Yeah, I mean... There's a lot of people that are very excited about this game, and so people are going to find a way to play it if there's no official means available. So there's a lot of people doing print and play out there as well. And, and you know, I, I think if you are the company making the game, uh, it's, a, it's an encouraging sign, right? Because uh, if anything, it's going to be a recruitment tool, right? It's going to be a way for people to say, hey, this is coming out. I want to kind of try it out, play it with me. And, you know, it's, it's theoretically going to get more people in it. So, yeah, I think... Uh, I don't think I, if I were making the game, I would be excited to see things like this happening because it takes effort to make these things, right? So the fact that people are out there doing it means there's there's a lot of excitement about playing the game to the extent that people are already enabling, you know, ways for them to get a little bit of a, a taste of it too. So yeah, I, I think it's a positive for sure. I think it's a positive as well. Uh, the only hesitation that I would give anybody would just be to take with a grain of salt what your results are. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's an entire set, really, that's still yet to be revealed. And as you kind of play these games, like, it's very good for learning the game, getting the basics down, learning the mechanics, things like that. Uh, but what you don't want to do is start to think, like, you've solved the meta or anything before the game has come out. Because not only is there a lot of cards yet to be revealed, but one of the things that happens when... You are playtesting early. You're only playing with other people that are like ultra enthusiastic about the game. And the downside to that is that your playtesting becomes very incestuous. You only have like your view of the game state. And then when the game launches and it goes wide, you run into people who play differently, uh, have different local metas, all of that. And then you'll find that the landscape of the game changes drastically. So uh, use it to learn to play the game. Use it to enjoy playing the game. Uh, but don't 
think that it's going to like lead you to amazing tournament wins a year down the road or anything. I, I, I I genuinely believe. And again, we all come from uh, playing a lot of flesh and blood where Talishar.net is essentially uh, exploded onto the scene as an unofficial, I believe the technical term for it is a rules enforcement platform that just is a, it's, it's a browser based way to play the game. Um, But once people discovered it and it got cleaned up after its first few iterations, it became exceptionally valuable because it's hard to play a game in paper when you don't have people around you to play based on schedules, etc. Um, I think that it's a good thing. It's absolutely a good thing. And I'm really hoping that if FFG is not going to dive into the the digital official digital route for this eventually, that they just let it be. And I say that as a as on the other side of the coin the people who are developing this or do develop something like Talishar or Pixelborn for Lorcana or all these other like uh one piece TCG simulator if you're doing this it's a very dangerous territory that you're encroaching on you have to be ready to abandon it at the first the first pushback from the creator of the game which is FFG however Oftentimes, and we've seen this with Flesh and Blood, Flesh and Blood is very aware that there are thousands of games going on daily on Talishar, but Talishar is not profiting by it. They are merely mm-hmm. have a Patreon that covers their server costs, and they do not make any money off of it. So Flesh and Blood is completely aware that it exists, and they are aware also that it is a good thing because it gives players an outlet to play the game whenever they want. I think it's like you like I I have to agree with both of you. It is a exceptionally good thing. People want to play it. It's a paper game. It can be expensive. Let people play it. Now obviously tournaments, things like that, those are going to be played in paper. That's not going to affect it. So on the whole, it's a great thing. The more people playing a game, the better. That is that is just the the bedrock of any of these arguments that that need to be made. Yeah, I, th- I think one word of caution, too, if you're playing like, uh, you know, Star Wars Unlimited on TTS and stuff, too, is that like because there are still some things that are a little bit unclear about some rules, resolutions and things, you have to be careful too that you're not ingraining uh, wrong information into your play as well or uh, some bad habits and things. So, again, with with that stuff out there. I think it's fine to, to play around with it, but you're, you are, like Charmer said, only getting a taste of the game. You are not getting the actual game uh, experience. So, uh, you know, so enjoy, but keep in mind the context in which, you know, you're you're enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting the uh, the RC Cola instead of the <laughs> the Coca-Cola classic. Sure. Right. But it's fun- taste, yeah. it's funny you mentioned that because, again, the the rules, enforcements, et cetera, if if those are built into it, TTS, the thing about TTS, is it's literally just you have to manually keep track of everything. Uh, yeah, whereas Tal- different from something like Talishar. Correct. Yeah. And I get what you're saying because Talishar makes people either lazy or ignorant of the rules because everything's done for them. And that can come back to that haunt too. you. I've seen yeah. enough tweets of people saying like, I lost my game because on Talishar it does this. Well, sorry. Like, <laughs> we don't know what to and tell I mean- you. I've played zero games on on Talishar. Like I I just don't like playing card games 
you know, digitally if there is a paper version. Because like one of the whole reasons I play paper card games is to be, you know, in person playing like in a room with a bunch of other nerds, right? All playing card games. Like that's the experience I want. So I'm I'm not the type that would play that stuff anyway. So the, there are people out there, you know, and one of the reasons is like you just said, like I don't I don't want to have rules done for me. I want to make sure I remember all that stuff so that when I am playing in person, I'm, you know, at the top of my game. Um, cause yeah, it can be, it can be kind of a detrimental thing to get too used to playing a digital version where everything is, you know, mathed out for you whenever you play a card. So yeah, gotta be careful. Charmer, are you, uh, potentially locked? Are you loaded? Are you ready to rock and roll? Because this has been another exquisite episode of Wampa Radio. So Thanks so much for the submission to the mailbag. Uh, we're gonna check, uh, take a look at it again next week. We got a, we pulled a pack fresh Princess Leia Organa from Jabba's Palace. Focus. There we go. There we go. Perfect. Wonderful. Uh, a what a what a show this was. So again, thanks uh, to everybody for listening. Uh, again, the best way to support us, obviously, other than just following along on our journey here, give us a five star review on whatever platform that you have us on Spotify, Google, Apple, whatever it is. It helps us immensely, immensely, and it costs you nothing. So uh, we thank you for that. And again, thanks just to everybody for listening and uh, for all the team here at Wampa Radio. Don't forget. May the force be with you.